0: great to start the year like this, right? Like with the Lord and with each other, sort of setting the tone for your 2016. Way to go doing that. Welcome, especially if you're a guest really glad to have each and every one of you here today. When I was in fourth grade, I remember going to the public library in my little northern California town, checking out an absolutely enormous book, the largest book I'd ever even thought about reading aside from the Bible. It was all 416 hardbound pages of this book right here called Alive. You know this book? Some of you might know the movie more than the book, and I think it was the combination of the title, the cover photos, the sheer size of the book that sort of captivated me, triggering my little fourth grade brain to say, I think I'll read this book. And once I got started reading that book, I couldn't put that thing down. It's the riveting story of an airplane flight chartered by an Uruguayan rugby team, along with members of their family that crashed very high in the Andes Mountains, killing a whole bunch of the passengers, stranding uh, a handful of survivors. And telling the story of a plane crash doesn't take all that many pages of a book, but it takes a whole bunch of pages, most of a book actually, to tell about exactly how those stranded passengers survived from October 13, 1972, October 13, 1972, until December 22nd. 1972, that's more than two months, with alarmingly meager nourishment in the most severe high-altitude conditions that you can ever imagine. I know a whole bunch of you know this story. And after coming to the soul-crushing realization that the search for their downed plane had been called off, two survivors of the crash set out with makeshift, horrible makeshift gear They trekked across a grueling 60 miles over 10 days up and over snow-covered mountains before finally reaching civilization a full 70 days after their plane had crashed. And it's like, what an incredible story. And that alive account brings a word, one word to mind, and it's this word, the word onward, onward, toward a point, lying ahead in space or time, forward, That word sums up the alive story. Onward, onward. Just think about the survivors. On this odyssey, they had no choice except to keep pressing onward, pressing forward, staying the course every day, longing, praying, hoping that they're one day closer to their ultimate rescue. And then when those two crash survivors departed, the rest of the group so that they could go in search of help, just think about how with every single step they took, onward. As they peered longingly, hopefully over every ridge line, onward. As they descended down every slope, steep slope, falling slight onward. As they slogged down across every valley, onward, onward, onward was their mantra. Stay the course. Stay the course toward our end goal. And in the very same way that word onward captures so well the alive story, I believe so too that it captures so very much of the experience of what it is and what it looks like and what it feels like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. That's it. Onward. While we know that it's not our own human effort nor our own human striving that has anything Nothing to do with our coming home to God through his only son, the savior of the world, Jesus Christ, whose arrival we just spent a long time celebrating extravagantly, some of us. And yet once we've arrived safely home in God's redeeming presence, there lays within every single one of us a certain high sense of responsibility to make the central focus, the central purpose of our lives, our father's will and our father's business. For us to take up all that it is, all that it means to bear the title of son or daughter of the most high God. It's this understanding that there's kingdom of God breakthrough that Jesus desires to bring to our lives individually, to us collectively as the church, and then through each of us, all of us, to this broken world. Sometimes we know that breakthrough comes like in quantum leaps. We kind of like it that way sometimes, don't we? Other times breakthrough comes through smaller baby kind of steps. But get this. It's direction is always onward. It's always forward. It moves us ahead. God moves us ahead. Jesus moves us ahead. Calling on every single one of us to stay the course. Stay this course And so for the next several weeks, we're going to explore the onward journey of what it is and what it looks like and what it feels like to stay the course in several facets of our relationship with Jesus Christ, beginning today with this commendation for us to stay the course in our faith. Stay the course in our faith. And here's what I know. In a crowd this size, I know that there are those sitting right here who are skeptical of even the very word, faith. I know, sitting in this room right now, there are those who say, if I can't see it, I don't believe it. And I know exactly how you feel, I know exactly what you mean, but could I ask you, could I ask a favor of you, that at least over the course of the next few moments that we're together, that you would suspend your negative judgment of matters surrounding the word faith and just for a moment, try out what it might be like for you to have faith that there is a God. Faith that there is a God who loves you. Faith that there is a God who loves you and who sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to redeem your life and bring you home to Him. would you Would you just oblige me? Could I just ask you to try out what it might be like for you to have a little faith in God today? Because see, long before you can ever press onward in faith, long before you can ever think about staying the course in faith over the long haul, you gotta start somewhere. You gotta start somewhere. And I'm of the conviction that a person's faith in God often starts like real small. Like Jesus talks about our faith being the size of a mustard seed small, right? That's tiny. You ever seen a mustard seed? It's about as tiny as anything can ever get. But that over time, what can happen if you'll let God do it, if you'll just let God do it, is that your faith that starts out the size of a mustard seed can and does grow. As God shows up in your life a little more and a little more, as he proves himself to be real and true in everything he says and everything he has a little more and a little more and pretty soon over time your faith like grows like mine has and it continues to grow again and again over and over only however as i've con- continued to press onward in faith only as i've stayed the course in faith, Again and again, God has proven himself to be who he is and what he says he is in like some really powerful ways. And even today, after trusting Christ for 30 some years, my faith continues. I haven't arrived. My faith continues to grow. And that's exactly the same thing that God desires to do in every single person on planet earth, including you. He wants all of you, including and even especially your skepticism about the whole faith deal, if you'll just give him a chance. If you'll just give faith a shot. And when God talks to us about living an onward, stay the course kind of faith, the most influential and inspirational text of scripture on the matter comes to us in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. You can turn there in your text, in your phone, whatever you'd like. This is a text that might be familiar to some of you. So let's start in. But first, uh, there was a man and a wife. And they were having a little argument about who should brew the coffee each morning. And the wife said to her husband, you should do it because you get up first. You're the early riser. Then we don't have to wait as long to get our coffee. You're up. Might as well make the coffee. The husband looked at the wife and got to understand this guy's not all that bright. He says, look dear, you're in charge of the cooking around here. Not a bright guy, right? It's your job to do things like make coffee and so I'm not a bright guy I'm fine with waiting for my coffee and the wife replies no no no. you you got to do it dear especially because it's in the bible that the man should make the coffee and the husband goes like I I don't believe it for one single second so the wife runs she grabs a bible opens to the new testament and shows him at the top of several pages of the bible that it indeed says he brews he (laughs) brews We should just get to the Bible, shouldn't we? <laughs> Enough of the stand-up act. Yeah. Hebrews chapter twelve, starting in verse one. Here's the first word, and we're not going to get very far. Therefore, therefore, we're going to stop right there. Because see, anytime you're reading the Bible, like maybe you're going to some of you're going to join in on the 2016 Bible reading plan. You're going to get the u Some of you going to do that, the U-version app. It's a great way to get into the Bible more in 2016. And let's say you're cruising along through your reading, you come to that word, it shows up a whole bunch in the scriptures, the word therefore, do you know the question that you're supposed to ask anytime you come to the word therefore in the scripture? Do you know the word? Do you know what you're supposed to ask the question? What's the therefore therefore? Got it? What's the therefore therefore? Therefore, anytime you run across that word when you're reading scripture, studying scripture, you got to stop and you got to ask, why is it there? What's it there for? And the answer, see, is that that word, therefore, is always pointing us back to something that the author just said up above. They're marking out for us that they're linking to something that they just said with something that they're about to say, which is what the therefore is there for. It's like a giant signpost. It's a big old clue that two things, two ideas, two concepts, two challenges, two commands, whatever it might be, they're meant to be linked together. They do not stand alone. And in this case, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1, the author is linking back to Hebrews chapter 11. Right? It's the start of a brand new chapter, which by the way, when the author was pinning this, he wasn't like saying like, okay, chapter 12. That was added way later. So this would of all just sort of run together. We've broken it up over time in chapter format, which isn't always the most helpful thing. But he's trying to link us back to Hebrews chapter 11. Well, what's Hebrews chapter 11? It's a text of the scripture that we often call the hall of faith. Right? You've all heard of Hall of Fame athletes, right? Athletes who are the best ever in their sport, in their field. Well, similarly, Hebrews 11 is a listing of those who are the best ever at pressing onward. The best ever at staying the course in their faith in God. Setting like this incredible example for us. Hebrews 11 is 39 verses of person after person after person who lived an onward kind of life. Just the thing we're talking about a stay the course in their faith kind of journey. And if you ever wanna be like fantastically encouraged in your faith in Jesus Christ, go read through Hebrews chapter 11. Go read the Hall of Faith chapter sometime. The author of Hebrews 12 is linking these exemplars of faith in God whom he just recounted. Who's he linking them to? He's linking them to us. Every Christ follower who comes after them all the way down to us today. He's saying like in light of the heroes of our faith in God who went out ahead, out before us. And then he starts in, therefore, since we are surrounded by them, by such a huge crowd, cloud even of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people like me. Then you won't become weary and won't give up. Onward, onward, onward. Stay the course in your faith in Jesus Christ. Stay the course in your faith in Jesus Christ. And that text starts off talking about this huge crowd. Some texts use the word crowd of witnesses. Cloud or crowd, either one. And again, that's a tie back to many of the people of Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith, a reference to all of the other followers of Jesus who've gone before us, whose shoulders get this. We stand on as we follow Jesus today today. The author's drawing our attention to the reality that our faith in Jesus Christ is very, very much lived out in community. It's a community of people whom you walk in faith with now, whether it's the community of your church or even your missional community or your small group, your group of friends with whom you do life and faith with. You're walking in faith with them in addition you're walking in faith with the crowds and the clouds of people who have gone on those who have stayed the course in their faith in Jesus Christ they're also part of this spectacular community and what happens to me sometimes this may happen to you too is that my faith in Jesus Christ it sometimes flags My faith in Jesus Christ sometimes gets a little weak. And I know, right, like I'm a pastor, that kind of thing isn't supposed to happen to people like me. But I'm telling you, it does because I'm a human being. It does. Hard stuff hits. Hard stuff hits you. It hits me. Sometimes it weakens my faith. Sometimes it shakes my faith. Sometimes it rocks my faith. And so we come up to passages like this. A passage that's challenging us onward. Stay the course in your faith in Jesus Christ. Look, you're surrounded by all these crowds and clouds of people who are supporting you in your faith. They're walking with you in faith. They're cheering you, cheering you, and cheering me in faith. Sometimes I come to these passages and I'm like, yeah. But all those people who I read about in places like Hebrews chapter 11, they're like rock stars of faith. They're superstars of faith. These amazing people who always got everything right. Their faith never wavered. It was always and forever onward for them. I can't measure up. I can't measure up. Their faith was like off the chart. They're superstars, rock stars of faith. But then you sort of stop the train. You're like, well, wait, 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 wait. Just a minute. That's not necessarily the truth, is it? Many of those who show up in places like the Hall of Faith, they were along way from perfect, weren't they? Consider, for instance, that Noah, he was a drunk. Think about that. Abraham, he was way too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob, he was a liar, for crying out loud. Joseph was abused. Moses, he was a stutter. Did you know that? Moses had a pretty significant stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson, for crying out loud, Samson, he had long hair and he was a notorious womanizer. Rahab, what was she? Prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy, they're way too young. David, a man after, that's what we always say, David, a man after God's own heart. There's something spectacular about David and there is, but he's also an adulterer and he was a murderer. Think about that. Elijah, he was suicidal. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah is a guy who preached naked. No comment. (laughs) Jonah ran from God. Naomi, she's a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist, what'd he do? He ate bugs for crying out loud. Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. Peter denied Christ. Denied Christ. The disciples, supposedly Jesus' closest friends, closest followers. What what'd they do? Jesus says, wait here. You guys pray. I'm going to go on over here, and I'm going to pray. You stay here and pray. And what happened? They didn't pray very long. They fell asleep. Jesus' very closest friends. They fell asleep. In Jesus' most dire hour, they fell asleep. Zacchaeus, he's a little short guy, way too small. Paul murderer of christians timothy he had significant stomach you think your stomach's bad his was awful he had ulcers and all kinds and lazarus what's lazarus deal he was dead we're crying out loud lazarus was dead so you see like no one except jesus who went ahead of us in this faith in jesus christ was perfect were they None of them, except Jesus, was perfect. And yet what distinguishes all of these heroes of our faith is that they stayed the course. They didn't quit. They didn't give up. They pressed onward. The hard stuff that they endured, sure, it weakened them like for a short while, but then it ended up strengthening their faith. It's kind of like the working out deal, right? How many of you are going to join a gym this time of year? Any, any of you going to join a gym Really? Not, there's, a, there's a few of you. Uh, people who join the gym this time of year, you know what you're called? Profit. Profit to the gym because you're going to use it for like three weeks and then you're going to keep paying your membership and the gym owners are like, sweet. They just pay and pay and they never show up. Profit, that's what they call it. But it's like working out. This staying the course is kind of like working out. You lift heavy weights in such a way that it actually breaks down the muscles, makes you weaker temporarily, but the muscles recover. And when they recover, what happens? They're stronger than they were before. Stronger than they were before. And so you see, we who follow Jesus Christ, we stand tall on the shoulders of those who have gone before us, who stayed the course and in the same way, so that we can press onward, so we can stay the course in faith, get this? We lay aside anything and everything that would slow us down or trip us up on this faith journey. An onward kind of faith that stays the course, it's not possible if we're impeded by any kind of weight that holds us back. It is impossible, get that? It is absolutely impossible. So then why, if that's true, how come so many of us came into this room for this gathering today carrying like big bulging backpacks of things like bitterness? How come? How many of us walked into this room today and we plopped those things down right beside us when we sat down? How many others of us came into this room carrying big, big bags full of anger and things like resentment and things like impatience and so, and they're like seated right beside you, right around you, right now even. Some of us maybe, we like drug trunks full of stuff that's holding us back, tangling us up as Christians. And some of us, we're lugging so much stuff in here, so big, so heavy. It won't even fit down these aisles. Some of you, you who are sitting on the end, you had to sit on the end of a row so that you could plop all that stuff down in the aisle. And I'm not picking on you who are sitting on the end, but like right there it sits. All these aisles, all these chairs strewn with handbags, backpacks, trunks full of all kinds of junk. That look, we're supposedly free people in Jesus Christ, but we're chained up to all this stuff and we came lugging it into this gap. Why? Why? Our pressing onward, our staying the course in faith, it's not possible when we're lugging all that around. Which is why the author of the Hebrews tells us that we gotta, here's the words he uses, strip all that off. Strip it off. Put it down. Leave it behind. Anything that holds you back, anything that trips you up, it gets left. And I'm telling you the truth, there's no better time than right here, right now, today. The start of a brand new year, right here, today. Just to say like, okay, I dragged that trunk full of whatever it is in here, but I ain't going to drag it out of here. I'm leaving it. And I just challenge you, I, I invite you, I implore you to just just leave it. Don't worry, Jesus will clean it up. You don't got to worry about, oh, who's going to take care Jesus will take care of it. He'll pick it up, he'll collect it up. Would you just do that? Would you just not go out the door with the same stuff you came in here with? Because we've all got weights that we need to leave behind, but we also, according to Hebrews, we've got sin, too, ugly little word. We got sin that needs to be left behind as well. And sometimes when we read this text, we take that to mean that we should put down the besetting sin, we often call it, right? It's like a besetting sin is a sin that plagues us again and again, right? The sin we struggle with over and over, just like, oh my gosh, God, would you please take this thing away, Right? We all have those, we do. And I think that's a really good thing to do. You could leave that here too, do some business with the Lord and leave that with him, ask him to take it, remove it. But I also think that right parallel to that, Hebrews has a very specific sin in mind that the author is strongly urging us today to leave behind. You know what it is? It's the sin of faithlessness. The sin of faithlessness. And I've been guilty of that a whole bunch in my life faithlessness right like there's all these people these amazing men and women who by faith they stayed the course they pressed onward and guess what they won they crossed the finish line of faith victorious and Hebrews is going like be like them be like them don't lose the faith don't quit live every single day walking by faith that's what this is all about A relationship with Jesus Christ being a Christian is all about walking and living by faith every moment of every single day. And how many of us find that very difficult to do? It is very difficult to walk by faith every single day because we want to live by sight, don't we? We want to have everything mapped out figured out. We want to know every detail. We want to know where we're headed for the next 25 years, 30 years, 40 years. That's not faith. Knowing Jesus and following Jesus is not at all about seeing it all laid out before us. It's about living by faith every moment of every single day without stopping. And frankly, Jesus isn't concerned about showing us the whole route. All we got to know is what? The next step. The next step. The next step and Jesus says, "Just hold on to me and I'll show you the next step." And we're like, "Man, I'd like to know the next 10,000 steps." He's like, "Uh-uh. Just me, just the next step. Just me, just the next step, all without stopping. All without stopping." In 1983, Australia hosted a 500, get this, 573 mile foot race from Sydney all the way to Melbourne, a race that takes days to run the very finest, most elite athletes from all over the world came to participate in this spectacular race. Really shortly before the race began, a 61-year-old sheep herder named Cliff Young, wearing overalls and galoshes over his work boots, walked up to the race registration table and asked for a number to enter this race. The people at the registration table thought it was some kind of joke. They thought, well, somebody around here has got a camera, they're setting us up. They actually like laughed out loud at Cliff Young, but Cliff Young said, no, 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 I I wanna run this race, please, I I need a number. They still thought it was a joke, but they obliged him, gave him a number, pinned his number on his very old work overalls. He sauntered then over to the starting line and there's like all the other professional runners, they're decked out in all their super compression, wicking running gear, right? (laughs) And they're looking at this guy like he's absolutely crazy. People in the crowd laughing and snickering and they laughed even harder. The gun went off. The race began. All these other top tier runners with their sculpted bodies, perfect strides, they began to run perfectly, but not Cliff Young. He didn't even run like a runner. He ran with this really like awkward, goofy looking shuffled thing. That's how I really run too. (laughs) And all through the crowd, people are laughing. One guy even shouts out, get that old fool out of here. Five days 14 hours 4 minutes later. Hear that? 5 days, 14 hours, 4 minutes later at 1:25 in the morning, Cliff Young shuffled across the finish line of a 573-mile race and he had won the race. And he didn't win by like a nose. The guy in second wasn't right on his heels. He didn't win just by a matter of minutes or even by an hour or two. The second place runner, second place runner was nine hours and 56 minutes behind Cliff Young. Nine hours, 56 minutes behind. Unbelievable. He became like an instant hero in Australia. Press was mobbing him wondering what kind of special running shoes you must have. They were rummaging through his backpack wondering what in the world did he survive on? By the way, it was primarily pumpkin seeds and water. Pumpkin seeds and water. And they did a little probing and they did a little pressing and then they discovered a secret. Nobody ever told Cliff Young that when you run this kind of race, you run for something like 18 hours and then you stop and sleep for three or four hours. Nobody told him that. He had absolutely no idea that he was supposed to stop and sleep. And so he did what he thought you're supposed to do and you run a race, just shuffling his way to victory without ever stopping to sleep, running for five days, 14 hours, four minutes straight at the age of 61 years old. Whoa. What's he saying the whole time? Onward. 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 Stay the course. Don't stop. Don't quit. Don't give up. And I know a whole bunch of us here today, we're facing like unbelievable challenges, some of us, aren't we? Seemingly insurmountable obstacles. Some of us sitting here today, we're hurting incredibly deeply. Some of us sitting here today, we're struggling incredibly financially. Some of us today are feeling all shaky and weak, like our faith, like our strength is greatly flagging. We're feeling very discouraged. And you know what God says to us? He's like cheering us on, onward, onward, onward. All those crowds on whose shoulders we stand, they're cheering us on too, onward, onward, onward. Stay the course, don't quit, don't stop. And then there's one more thing. There's one more key to walking out, living out an onward kind of faith, a stay the course kind of faith. It's this, ready? Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. An onward, stay the course kind of faith cannot have its eyes on the crowd or on the cloud of witnesses. An onward, stay the course kind of faith can't have its eyes on some family member with great and strong faith, some pastor, some Christian leader that you've got up on some pedestal who you greatly admire, don't know wrong place to look. Why? Well, because they're people and people will always, always, always disappoint us. Our focus as we live an onward, stay the course kind of faith is only on Jesus who will not ever let us down. He's the pioneer. He's the leader of this faith. He's the one who got all of this started. And we're on this journey of faith only because of him. If he didn't pay the price for my sin, I wouldn't get to be a Christian. He's the pioneer. Scripture tells us he's the author of our faith. Scripture also tells us that he's the finisher of our faith, which means that when we eventually... Cross the finish line of this faith journey. As we enter heaven's gates, we're going to fall into no one's arms but his. He's there waiting at the end, finishing our faith. He's the start. He's the finish. He's with us every single step in between. And we focus on him because he ran the course ahead of us. He ran this same course ahead of us. He came into the world. He became the God man, put on human flesh. He became who we are, and he lived among us 33 years, sinless, perfect, spotless life. And he's the one who we look at. He's the one who we look at because he endured to the very end for us, for you, for me, for every person on planet Earth. He endured. And Jesus never asks you or me to do anything that he himself didn't already do. He ran this race. He endured. He pressed onward. And he calls on us to do the same. And I'm looking at him. You're looking at him. No one, nothing else except him. One of my very favorite films of all time is this movie called Rudy. Have you ever seen this? film. If you haven't seen this movie, you have got to watch this movie. And there's this fantastic scene that I think captures just something. It's just a slice. It isn't the whole deal, but it's like a, a slice of the idea of what's in view in Hebrews chapter 12. Clouds and crowds of witnesses cheering you on. Let's watch this together. the country years ago, he came to say that his career has been a disappointment.
1: What the hell with the fire, Billy? As long as the offense is out here, Rudy can't play. We gotta run the play. No, we gotta score now. Come on, Let's Billy. Let's get a score for Roone's last game.
0: All right, Jimmy, this one's yours. All right, throw right. Thirty-eight halfback pass. On one. On one. Ready. Right. surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses and they're not chanting Rudy, your name. They're chanting your name. Onward, onward. Stay the course in faith. Stay the course in faith. Surrounded by all those who have gone on before us, all these who are going on with us now cheering us on that's it that's the deal I'm going to ask you to take your stuff and set it aside if you would I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads and maybe you're here today and you're like a follower of Jesus maybe for a couple years or a couple months or a few decades but maybe you're someone For whom your faith in God has been flagging. It's gotten all shaky and weak for a variety of reasons, we know. And today, the Lord's invitation to you is to just keep pressing onward. Don't quit, don't give up. Just stay the course in faith. And yeah, Maybe there's some stuff you need to strip off, maybe some sin. Maybe for you, it's the sin of faithlessness where you just gotta see it all and you're, you just gotta see it. And Jesus is like, no, 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 just trust me. This is the walk of faith. But if that's you, I just invite you to renew your commitment to Jesus right here today. Whatever business you need to do with him, just do it. Don't delay. And then maybe there's some of you who perhaps for you, the magnitude of God's love and grace and pursuit of you is just staring you square in the face. And if that's you, why in the world wouldn't this be your day that you come home to Jesus Christ? What's keeping you from coming home to Jesus Christ today? And if that's you, I would just invite you right where you are to pray with me. Just say, Jesus, I get it. I finally get it I need you Jesus to save me from my sin only you're capable of saving me and so by faith Jesus Christ I receive your gift of salvation thank you thank you for being my savior thank you for being my boss thank you for hanging on the cross and dying for me thank you for rising from the dead so that I might live with you forever here I am Jesus here I am Here's my all, my everything, trusting you fully. And Jesus, we stand in amazement of how you put all of this together, yourself as our Savior, others cheering us on, us surrounded by people even here and now who are walking with us in this journey of faith. It just blows us away God your plan and your design it's beauty and it's simplicity and yet it's complexity and it's overwhelming goodness most of all Jesus just blows us away and so here all of our gratitude rising to you for whatever place we find ourselves in with you today whether we just need to sort of uh, reseat the deal with you re-seat you on the throne of our lives maybe that's the deal for us today or maybe today's the day that we're coming home for the very first time, whatever place that we find ourselves, Jesus we want you front and center first and foremost because it's you that we are in pursuit of, it's you that we're pressing onward toward it's you that we're pressing onward toward staying the course in faith, Jesus because it's you And so help us do that and help us not get so caught up in doing it by ourselves, but Jesus, help us remember that part of the goal, part of the deal is that we're taking as many people with us as we possibly can. That your faith in and through us would be absolutely contagious. Please, King Jesus, in whose name we pray and everyone agreed together and said, amen. And then there's just together, I got one more thing. Sometimes I find when we're working on something, uh, like a symbol uh, can help us keep the thing that we're working on fresh in our minds. And so, with that in heart and mind, we made these uh, wooden chips for you to take with you. Ushers are handing them out right now. Every single one of you, take one of those out of those buckets. This is a tangible reminder, your tangible reminder that you're pressing onward, that you're going to stay the course in faith and and everything else we're going to talk about through this series. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.